Hello, welcome back to the Josh and Ethan show. Um, there was some uh, busyness last week, so we missed an episode, but we're back. We're trying to we're trying to be consistent, but it's it's not always going to be consistent because our schedules are weird. But we're trying. Yeah, um, we still have a relatively busy news week. Um, the last two episodes of Dynamite have been pretty massive, so um, we have plenty of material to talk about. Both of them have been like 10 to 11 angles on every show, both segments. Both have done amazing in the ratings. Um, AW and XT combined this last week. I'm pretty sure beat Raw in 18 to 49, so um, that's a great sign. So um, yeah, um, let's just kind of get into Winter's Coming first. Um. The two biggest notes kind of are Sting and AEW. I assume mostly as a producer, that seems like he's going to do some on-screen stuff, maybe wrestle Cody, and hopefully we'll finally get a Cody heel turn. And I assume he's going to put over Darby at some point as kind of being the next generation of Sting. And then, of course, Kenny beat Moxley for the world title with Don Callis, and that sets up kind of the whole impact invasion angle. So um, what do you want to talk about first? Uh, let's talk about Kenny and him beating... Uh... Moxley. Um, I think, I mean, it was kind of obvious this is what they were going for. Um, you know, Moxley has a pregnant wife. He has stuff going on in Japan. He's going to go probably do some stuff down there because he's their U.S. champ. So it kind of makes sense. I mean, not to say that it being the, the obvious decision is a bad thing. Uh, I think if if it, I said this before, if it wasn't going to be MJF taking the title off of Moxley at All Out, it was definitely going to be Kenny eventually at some point. Um, so I'm glad this is what they're for. I'm glad uh, they kind of turned Kenny heel at the end because I think uh, a Kenny heel run is is something we really need right now because we know in Japan you know, heel Kenny was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and I think he's so great as a heel that eventually you don't really need a reason to turn him face. Just, like, once you feel like it's time to have him as a face again, you can just kind of do it because he's so over as a heel, even. I think Callis had so much to his act. I remember watching um, Tokyo Dome two years ago. It was Kenny versus Tanahashi, and Kenny was a champion, and then they had Tanahashi beat him for the title. And Callus was on commentary, and he was like, just put him away already. It's like, Callus has always been this great, like, biased heel commentary towards Kenny. So kind of adding the layer of him as a manager and telling, like, their real-life story is really interesting. And I have my reservations about Impact, of course. But I think when you look at this is, as long as it's done well, Impact gets all the positives of AEW. Where AEW gets all the positives of Impact and none of the negatives. Because... AEW can send whoever they want to go to Impact TV. No matter what, that's going to help Impact. But AEW can get, like, a Sammy Callahan or a Rick Swan or someone who's, like, or the Good Brothers or the North or the Mercy Machine Guns I know have been talked about a lot. So you can get some of those really good people from Impact that you want, but you don't have to deal with some of the more, like, weaker talent there. And, like, I don't know if you saw the paid commercial that Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone did on Impact, but it's great because AEW doesn't want or need Tony Khan as like this heelish character or this face character. But he was on Impact and he, you were able to really see is like either he's the hero that started AEW or he's a heel if you're like a hardcore Impact fan. And he was just cut a great promo. So it's cool because we're able to see him as a character on Impact 
without it kind of intruding on the way Dynamite works. Because Dynamite does not need a management character. So it's just really well done, I think. And I had reservations at first, but I think this really can only benefit Impact and AEW. And I think as long as they're smart about it, there's no way this hurts either of them. Yeah, and I, I think it's smart what uh, they did with Impact and AEW. Uh, I mean, when it comes down to the actual interview with Kenny at the end, it was a little underwhelming because he basically said on Tuesday on Impact, I'm going to have an announcement. And then on Impact, he said, I have an announcement on Dynamite. So it was a little bit of a... Well, sorry to cut you off, but I think, yes, you can say it was underwhelming because we're stringing it out. But I thought, like, what Callis and Kane got to say was still great with, like, the invisible hand, like... They set up the Jericho match, which found AEW, which is true. So while I thought, like, yes, they're stringing it out, I thought the aspects of it that they did really talk were great. And, like, they're saying up the tease for Kenny fighting Rick Swan and winning his world title. So it's, I think that it's not like they did accomplish nothing. And they buried Josh Matthews, which is always good. Yeah, but um, what I was going to say is, regardless of what the actual result of the... Uh the interview was i think it's a smart move what they did with uh crossing over impact and aw because i watched impact live and that's the first time i've ever seen impact live i haven't yeah. been I, I i i think the last time i watched impact was when it was still um when it was still tna um so i think it's smart i mean it's a really good show uh they're gonna you know there's talks of them crossing over with especially the knockouts division and an impact over to AEW, which will honestly be pretty good. Cause they have some, they have some really good uh, talent on the female roster, especially with, you know, people like Dion Perrazzo. Yeah. Uh, if you look at it, it's like Abaddon is like this discount version of Rosemary. I have not been impressed by Abaddon the last two weeks. I'm just, and I don't like Sheeta being afraid. I'm sure we'll get into that later. I just don't enjoy Abaddon. And, like, I'm not a huge Rosemary fan, but, like, when I saw that tag match, it's like, okay, Rosemary is definitely, like, a much better version of Abaddon. Like, better worker, like, less dumb, like, coughing up blood and stuff. Like, so there's definitely, I think, ways that they can help the AW Women's Division. Yeah, and, um, yeah, I just think it was a smart idea to have them cross over. Um, but what I, what I think is interesting, though, is... Don Callis's contract with Impact is actually up in like two or three weeks, so it like it makes me wonder like maybe he's going to AEW for to be uh, Kenny's manager, or maybe he'll renew and they'll just keep renew his contract with Impact and just keep doing the crossover thing. So it, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't see Tony Khan buying Impact. I think that's more of a funny joke that he can cut promos on for like the Impact commercials. Because, like, I love that commercial, Shivani. Like, the, oh, you worked Impact once, right? Yeah, for one night. Then I cooked the business for 18 years. So it's, like, I think it's better to make jokes about them. But kind of leave it at that. And then he can slowly be like, okay, Mercy Machine Guns, your contract's up. Come to AEW. Um, Good Brothers, your contract is up. Come to AEW. Like, he doesn't need to buy out Impact. He can slowly just destroy Impact by taking away all of their good talent whenever their contracts come due. Yeah. And I think but, uh, that's a healthier thing to do, because, like, Impact can still be an area that feeds into the indies, but it's like, yeah, say Don Callis becomes a producer for AEW, like, you can see, like, 
it's not like they have no roster. Like, they have some really talented people on Impact, but you can tell that he's struggling to book, like, a two-hour TV show with the amount of talent he has. So, like, he still is pretty well, though. So, if he can do that well, like, imagine what he could do as, like, another advisor to Tony Khan on AEW. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to Kill Kenny and AEW. I, I'm, I'm also, you know, kind of interested in what's going to happen with him on, you know, the young bucks side like like what's are they going to do something there with the bucks because i know on bte they had that little segment at the end of the last episode of like kenny turned heel or whatever and like yeah it was supposed yeah. to be funny but it's true like um i wonder how that's gonna play out yeah apparently um kenny reunited with carl anderson on the impact pay-per-view i didn't buy the impact pay-per-view that's a waste of money but i watched a tv show and um so i think they're definitely teasing that like they could do a Kenny and Good Brothers against Hangman and the Bucks or something down the line. I mean, that's definitely a possibility. I mean, um, I think either way, as as long as they're, which I I have no doubt that they will, as long as they're playing their right their the right cards with heel Kenny here, I think it's it's a recipe for yeah. excellence. And it's, you can you can tell the long term is either he rejoins with the Bucks and Hangman, and maybe even like a Cody or Marty if they get Marty in. And if Cody yeah. isn't too much of a heel with Sting and stuff, like two years from now, like they probably rejoin. Or you could do like a New Japan invasion and then like the Golden Lovers reform or something. So it's, there's lots of different avenues to go for. You can clearly tell that eventually he'll turn face again. We see such a cool heel. But right now, it's just going to be really exciting to have him doing like these other facets and truly being a heel. Because he was like on the verge, I saw him as a heel. But now he's like fully. His character is like fully as a heel. There's no two ways about it. So it's nice. Yeah, and and you know, AEW so far has had a really good, um, a really good uh, track record of you know executing long term long term storytelling pretty well, um, especially with like the Hangman stuff. So I again, I I, I think they're co- totally gonna rock this. I I, I mean. It's Kenny Omega. There's not much that can that can go wrong. Yeah. So I want to actually take a side note, because you mentioned BTE. I want to talk about BT champion John Silver with what is truly the most prestigious championship in wrestling. It's the only shoot title in all of pro wrestling. <laughs> this I love the BTE title so much. It's just Alright, they're gonna throw Skittles, which I love. But the fact that Silver, like, just one time said, Pizza Boy, he's like, what? I thought it would sound funny. And now he has Pizza Boy over as a thing. It's like, the guy is a genius. Apparently, they're on the un- AW Unrestricted podcast, he and Silver. Which, by the way, I do not want Silver to get left behind. Silver is integral. Sorry, Reynolds is integral to Silver because, one, they're a great tag team together. Like, they're both good singles wrestlers. But as a tag team, they have some great double teams. And I feel like they could be a great babyface tag team. With, like, Sobering super, like, he has a ton of charisma, and Reynolds is, like, super hesitant. And I think that's direction long-term. Maybe after, like, if they do a Dark Order implosion. Because you can see Brody's been gone. I hope he's okay, and he's just taking some time off. But it kind of feels like they're building to a Brody-Hangman match for Brody's big return, if hopefully he's okay to return. And, um, Evil Uno and Colt Cabana have showed a little bit of face-ish. So it seems like they might have Hangman beat Brody, then, like, do a Dark Order implosion. And as sad as that would be, it kind of gives the opportunity for him to be a babyface tag team, which would be awesome. 
Because if you look at all the skits since the beginning, even before they did the clubhouse with Brody Lee, just when they were recruiting, Reynolds' reaction and selling of everything Silver did as the straight man was so perfect. And even like when he was the hair guy against Five. So I, I love them as a duo. Of course, Silver is the star of the duo, but I think Reynolds is equally important. And it really helped show the power of what the BT push can do. Because now Silver is like the top babyface heel on Dynamite. He and Reynolds are going to go tag with Hangman, which is like a huge match for them. It's, it's really great just showing how funny a guy can be. And they're lucky that he's skilled at like, it's good that the champion makes the matches because he was able to beat Trent in the warball flipping very dominantly and win the title. And then he's been on, um, he called his shot on the mustard. He barely won. He called Sean the skills. Hopefully he'll win on Monday. So it's, it's good. I really enjoyed a BT title. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, you know, I've always seen, you know, since Silver and Reynolds came to AEW, you know, they were always uh, pretty much from the beginning, they were kind of like the funny guys. Like, and, you know, typically in wrestling, you know, if you're a good worker and you're a good promo, then you're like the perfect wrestler. But a lot of times you could be a good wrestler, but not a good talker, or a good talker, but not a good wrestler. So, you know, uh, Silver has always been super entertaining, but I never realized, like, he is really good in the ring. Like, he does some crazy stuff, and he's yeah. a little guy, too, so it's kind of it's kind of impressive some of the stuff he can do. In yeah, I always note his kicks are great, and I always note that, like, it's very important in my eyes to be a fundamental worker, like, have good fundamentals. And I really noticed with him and Reynolds, like, if you look at, like, their tag team finish, it's a German suplex where then they kick the guy and they do a bridging pin. Like, it's very simple. Like, it comes off as spectacular because they do it really crisp. They do it really fast. But it's, like, they're very good, simple workers. Like, what they do, it's impressive. They do a few slams. They do kicks. So it's great because all of what seems so spectacular of them comes from Silver's Charisma. Silver speed, Reynolds speed, Reynolds selling of Silver's charisma, but then it's only pulled together by the fact that they're both just solid fundamental workers, and I think yeah. that's really important. It's good because it it helps their push. And if you look back almost a year ago, you had Silver and Reynolds on BTE like join the Dark Order, and even then they showed hints of it. Because I don't know whose idea it was to put like give Silver the spotlight on BTE, then to pair him up with Brody. And they add the Dark Order Clubhouse, then to make like Reynolds the hair guy, give five the wig, like to make ten a cocaine addict, like, but it's all just it's come together so well. And it's really good to see those guys succeed in ring and finally get recognized like they should be, because they're good comedians as well. Yeah. And then uh, another side note, um, I know you said that they were on the unrestricted podcast. I didn't listen, but I, my dad told me about how they were on SmackDown where they had like a squash match with uh, heavy machinery. And I, I went and watched the match and it's just so strange seeing John Silver and Alex Reynolds on SmackDown fighting, like just getting squashed by heavy machinery. You, you know, yeah. if you have the time, go watch that match. It's, it's pretty yeah. strange. but Yeah. Cause what's funny is like, um, by the way, if you ever want to see a good clip, go on YouTube and look up the highlights of the PWG match between Brian Cage and John Silver, in which John Silver out Brian Cage's Brian Cage, because Silver's like a really jack guy. Actually, all the guys in Dark, like, Silver's a very jack guy now, 
he wasn't abstract then, but he was lifting up Brian Cage and like doing curls with Brian Cage and stuff. So there's highlights of it for PWG on YouTube, but it's um, it's it's pretty great. Um, yeah, but I think it's weird because like Tony Khan apparently called up Silver after watching some BT and was like, well, obviously you can't swear as much and say some of the things you say, but I want you to start showing this charisma on Dynamite because then you go from a lower mid card guy to we can really push you as starting to come into one of our top guys because you're this over, just be that same character. And it's cool because if it was Vince, he'd be like, ah, I got to claim your YouTuber and Twitch pal. And no, no more of this third party agreements for you. even though you're an independent contractor and I own your YouTube silver and I own your name and I own pizza boy and all your catchphrases. <laughs> I own the meat man. Yeah. But it's like, where Tony Khan's like, no, let's highlight this. Let's let you. Let's call you the Meat Man on TV. It's like Jim Ross calls John Silver the Meat Man on TV now. Like it's great because it just it makes it feel all more important. It makes BT feel more real, and I feel more like it feels more important to me that I have to watch BT, which is good. Yeah. And and when the crowd when there's you know big crowds again. The most over person, I think, overwhelmingly is 100% going to be John Silver. He's yeah. going to be the most over wrestler in the world. I mean, like, even if you listen, like, you can hear a little bit of the fans at Daly's place. Um, when Matt Hardy tossed him out, like, one, that was a mistake because Matt Hardy's going heel. Of course, he's going to toss out Silver. And I think he tossed out Hangman, too, or whatever. But there were so many boos when Silver got tossed out because it's like, no, we love Silver. It's like, Silver and the Hangman, that's why I'm real excited for a six-man tag match. It's like they've worked a long time on the Hangman, and he's a huge babyface star now. And they're just kind of waiting to pull the trigger on like him and Kenny. You can tell. They just want to give Kenny a few more wins and titles first. But right now, it's like you have... Silver's reaching that level of the Hangman. Like, where he's getting that huge pop when he comes out. Everyone yeah. hates it when he loses. Like, it's really good. Um... I mean, I guess we can, you know, dabble a little bit into into WWE. But I mean, I haven't been watching Raw or SmackDown. Why would you? What? Why would you watch Raw or SmackDown? What What do you gain from it? Yeah, I mean, it's a waste of five hours. Yeah, there's there's no entertainment in Raw and SmackDown anymore. I mean, SmackDown for a little while was getting pretty good, but then you know after the after the draft, it was just like okay, they're just moving all the stories from Raw to SmackDown. Yeah, I saw so, I saw a clip of like Roman Reigns beating up his indentured servant Jay Uso, yeah. and I'm like I don't even understand. Like one, it's a bit dicey to call him an indentured servant, but like yeah. then to have him like beat him up, like one, it makes no sense. Too like they're really trying to get canceled. Like <laughs> it's just uh... yeah. And then and then um, I forgot who said it, but it might have been uh Stephen Larson from um going in raw. But one of them said it's really sad how the best promo in WWE right now is Pat McAfee, a guy that was uh um he was a punter in the NFL and had his second match on Sunday. So <laughs> it's yeah. it, it is it's it's just depressing to see like I think Vince like wants to make money at this point like yeah and I want to talk about um I was really I watched about half a takeover I was really saddened um 2018 NXT 
2014 through 2018 XT, but especially 2018 XT, is, like, the main reason I stayed a wrestling fan. Like, that in New Japan. Like, that kept me a wrestling fan up till AEW. And once AEW was announced, I was like, okay, I know there's hope for me. Like, I'm going to have good wrestling again. But when NXT went two hours on USA, for the first couple months, it was strong. It, it was good. But it slowly just started eroding, and I stopped watching it. But I still, I still watch clips time to time, like, and there's good people there. But the issue is the format of NXT doesn't function for two hours and doesn't function when you're not moving people up. It's supposed to be that, like, territory where someone goes in, someone goes out. So everything, like, with Ciampa and Gargano feels less important because it's like, why are they still here? I understand why they can't go up to the main roster. They're really beat up. They probably couldn't do the main roster schedule. And Vince would bury them because they're tiny. But it just, it doesn't feel like it has the same importance. And to make it worse, the booking makes no sense. The women's war games match, one, went way too long. Two, the Bayfaces had the advantage. Three, let's talk about Ember Moon. She comes back, big return, cuts a horrible promo. Wins one match. Proceeds to lose two matches. Gets turned on by her best friend. Then loses the women's war games match. Yes. That's how you book a babyface. Let's talk about Io Shirai. Io Shirai beats the other top babyface, Rhea Ripley. Then goes and gets pinned by Raquel Gonzalez, who has, like, one televised win. She has two now. Oh, yeah, because I forgot. Ember Moon lost Raquel Gonzalez after losing the Women's War Games match. So she's, like, one and five after coming back from her big injury. Let's talk about Tony Storm. Tony Storm comes back, wins one match against, like, Indy Hartwell or something, where she gets, like, 30 seconds of offense in a two-minute match, then wins. Then loses to Candice LeRae, then proceeds to turn heel. Shotzi Blackheart is just horrible. Candice LeRae broke her arm because Shotzi Blackheart jumped like onto a, a chair on her arm. So Candice LeRae is done, and she's actually been protected well. Rhea Ripley just keeps losing, yet she's still in XT for some reason. They have a better women's division than AEW. They really do. But AEW's, and I have issues with AEW's women's division that we're going to get to with Abaddon. But right now, AEW's booking their women's division that has, like, a quarter of the talent of the NXT Women's Division way better than NXT is booking their Women's Division. It's not that hard, but the babyfaces never win or are horrible. And the heels always win or are horrible. They don't know how to book a Women's Division. The Men's War Games match, I got about 20 minutes into it, and I was like, all right, it's time to go home. And I was tired. It was, like, 11. I was watching it, like, way after the fact. And I had school next day, because takeovers are on Sunday for some reason instead of Saturday. So... I'm watching this match, and it's good. I'm enjoying it. I really enjoyed Kyle Riley and Pete Dunne grappling at the start. And then, the match proceeds to go for another 25 minutes after that. It's They went way too long, because, oh, Warriors matches have to go this certain set amount of time, pal. Then, Leon Ruff, the North American title is in a comedy angle now. Gargano finally wins it back, but it's with, like, the help of an army of Scream Ghost Killers. It's all the Retribution Rejects. Dexter Loomis is, like, pushed on pay-per-view, having the worst takeover matches of all time. Look, I can keep going on and on. Let's talk about TV this week. You have three heel tag teams. You have Imperium, you have the Grizzling Veterans, and you have Everrise. And you expect me to care. Why do I care about free heel tag teams? Why do I care? Is there yeah. one reason I should care about free heel tag teams? It's really unfortunate, man. And and then I, I was gonna say you were talking you were talking a second about how Yoshirai about Yoshirai. 
there was there was one line I believe Vic Joseph said during the War Games match. He literally said, "I think that Io Shirai is a bit of a sleeper here." The fact that like the comment like no Io Shirai should not be considered. <laughs> she's the champion. She should be like the odds-on favorite to win. She like she's a women's champion. Like, what are you doing calling your women's champion a sleeper? Like, it, it's just they don't know what they're doing anymore. And no, let's talk about what they're doing with the title scene. So Damian Priest, after losing, and Pete's not even said this on TV to make it even worse. Damian Priest couldn't even beat Leon Ruff, whose tree is a comedy geek. I don't know why the guy's talented, but his tree is a comedy geek, and he he shows up and tries to get a title match. Pete Dunne. Just lost in war games. And shows up and tries to get a title match. Kyle O'Reilly shows up and tries to get a title match. At least he won recently, but he still lost to the champion. Then Karrion Cross shows up. It's like, oh, okay, so Karrion Cross can get the title match. Then Karrion Cross brawls with Damian Priest. That's good. Personally, I like Karrion Cross, but I don't think he should be beating Balor. But I understand he's their guy. He's run for Priest, and he's going to run for Balor. So fine. At least that makes sense. But in the meantime... You have, like, Pete Dunn trying to get tell shot, and I love Pete Dunn. I think he should be a top guy. But you have to build him up by giving him wins in matches, and they're not doing it. NXT is falling apart right now. It is and, a mess. And this is the reason why. It's because Vince, Vince, you know, I think there's two reasons why. One, uh, it's, it's AEW's competition, so Vince wants to put input into it. And two, you know... NXT within the past five years has really, really been really, really entertaining, especially with the Undisputed Era stuff, especially at the beginning when, you know, they had the the prophecy or whatever, and especially with, um, you know, the Champa Gargano stuff. That era of NXT was probably my favorite. It's probably the best era of NXT, I, I think, out of all of them. Oh, yeah, 2018, and, yeah. And I think once Vince realized, oh, I, you know, this is, people really like this, you know, I'm making good money off of this. He wants now to start putting his input into this. And I think that's why NXT is falling apart because, you know, Vince isn't a genius anymore when it comes to booking wrestling shows. Yeah. So, so I think that's, it's all falling apart because Vince wants to say now. And I think Triple H feels the need to hot shot too. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's... so there's there's more things I can go on and off I thought about. That's just off the top of my head, just like hearing little clips, reading the results and stuff. I I watch a good amount of the last two shows. But yeah, it just makes me really sad to see NXT fall apart like this. And then um, I want to talk about Sammy Guevara as a babyface. I personally thought that Sammy Guevara should have been the one to turn on Jericho. I don't know why they're doing the whole MJF thing. And Sammy should have gone heel off of turning on Jericho. But seeing him recently, maybe I was wrong. Because I love Sammy as a heel. But Sammy is such an awesome baby face. Like, yeah. this guy, like, four or five years, he's going to be, like, he's going to be a huge baby face star from the get-go, don't get me wrong. I think he should actually, and I'm very protective of MJF, I think to help get him started, he probably needs to beat MJF and or Jericho in his first baby face run. Because I think, like, in the next year, he'll be, like, one of the top babyfaces. But I think, like, four or five years from now, he's, like, easily babyface world champion. Yeah, for sure. He's just, um, he's really great. Yeah. And I I really like what they're doing with MJF in the inner circle. Because it's kind of like, 
they're gonna it's gonna implode eventually at the fault of MJF, but it's just a matter of how. Because there's like already like just absolute chaos within their circle. He hasn't even been in there for a month, so. I don't know. I, I I'm really liking MJF in in the inner circle so far. Yeah. Okay. Um. Any other notes we have to cover? I think we talked about how AEW is doing. Oh, AEW is doing one thing wrong. Abaddon. I am uninspired by Abaddon as a worker. I am uninspired by Abaddon as a gimmick, and I am really uninspired by Sheeta being afraid of Abaddon. Do you know what killed Colby Lopez when he was afraid of the fiend and started crying? This isn't as bad. But this is still pretty bad. Come on. Either Abaddon's going to sell in a Sheeta match and Sheeta's going to pin her and stop being so afraid. Or I'm going to just skip all the AW women's matches because it's a mess. You, you have like two good prospects. You kind of have two good stars and then you have two good prospects in your AW women's vision. You have Deeb, who's like set and made, good worker, solid talker. Set star, NBA Women's World Champion. You have Thunder Rosa, you can get time from time. And then you have Sheeta. That's like the top of your division. Then you have Baker, and you have Anna Jay, who are both very green, but are improving rapidly, and could be big stars one day. Then you have Abaddon, who I just don't care about. I don't know if you like the gimmick, but I just can't get behind it. And then when I see Sheeta, who's been awesome champion, being afraid of her, it, it just, it, it, it really bugs me, because it's like, this AW Wounds Vision, for all its struggles talent-wise, because NXT signed up so much of the talent, and, like, they're lucky Shida moved to the U.S. because, like, they can't get Riho in right now. They can't get Yuka Sakazaki. Can't get my, um, they can't get Aja Kong, um, Emi Sakura. So, like, they're missing, like, a lot of their top women, but they've done a really good job booking it and protecting it, and now they bring in Abaddon, who's uninspiring. I just, I don't get it. Yeah, and then, I, I don't know why, like, they're paying attention to it, but I just don't think it's being built up as, as much as it should be. But this whole Thunder Rosa Britt Baker thing, I I feel like like it's really being slept on. Like, because Thunder Rosa is incredible. Britt Baker, like you said, really green, but she's improving all like, all the time. She's you know probably the best female talker, um, and her stuff is hilarious with Rebo Rebel, whatever her name is, and then. Uh, in the ring, she's, you know, I feel she's like every match, she's getting better. So I don't know why they're not they're not pushing this in front of us instead of Abaddon versus Ishida, because, well, like, I agree with you. I don't care. I don't know why they they want us to care about Abaddon so much. I, I She's not a good worker. She's, you know, her gimmick doesn't make any sense. It's, I don't know why they're not pushing this uh, Thunder Rosa Bear Baker yeah. thing more. To be fair, I, I will acknowledge that is the world title, and I think these last two weeks were very angle-heavy because they knew they were going to have big viewership. So they were having viewership better than their unopposed viewership, which is really good and strong. So I think that we'll kind of settle back into the more normal AEW formula and calm down a bit and it's like sell into our normal amount of like three, four big angles every show. And then I think we'll focus on Thunder Rosa Britt Baker again. I think right now they were kind of focused on other things right now. Yeah, but I also want to say, like, with the women's title, they haven't really been, like, it's kind of like a, I don't want to say it's like a prop, 
but like they kind of treat it that way because you know with Nyla Rose with her recent match with Nyla Rose that wasn't built up at all. They just kind of threw that yeah. together. They, is, they had Nyla who was a strong challenger, and they know that she'd always gets good matches of her. So they was like, oh, here's the women's match. So yeah, I think that the AW Women's Vision once COVID protocols ease, which that seems like in a few months now that the vaccine is starting to be distributed, we could get there. It'll be helped once they have more talent to work with and once some of their more green talent like Baker or Anjay get better. <clears throat> well, I want to say get better because they're already good, but like improve more and become less like we have to hide their weaknesses and really focus on their strengths. Then I think the AW Women's Vision will be a much better place. But right now it's just kind of going through a rough patch. Yeah, but, you know, I I hope with this, cro- like I said before, I hope with this crossover with Impact, they're, they improve on the women's division a lot because they have some pretty good talent over on Impact. And Yeah, you could get Ty Valkyrie or um, Deion Brazo were the first two I immediately thought about. Um, plus they have this thing with NWA, they're crossing over every once in a while. So yeah. I think that's what's really keeping their women to women, women's division together right now, just the crossover stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Anything else we want to talk about? Um, I think that's pretty much it. This is a slow week in terms of news. Yeah. It's kind of like we had a couple of big notes and then everything else was kind of, just a bit more tame. Yeah. Okay. Um. Thank you for listening. Um. We should be back next week, back in a more normal schedule. Hope we will be in person soon with our audio quality. Um. Yeah. Uh. Thank you for listening.